What is the most valuable thing that you have? Or how about this? What's the most valuable thing that you want to have? Maybe you want to have it be given to you as a Christmas gift this year. What is the most valuable thing you have? Here's what Jesus says the most valuable thing that you have. You already have it. Mark chapter 8, Jesus says this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? He goes on to say, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is saying the most valuable thing that you have and that I have is our soul. That nothing that we have is as valuable as our souls. Our souls have extreme value and they need to be thought about and nourished and protected more than anything else that we have in life. Do you have a plan for your soul in 2020? It's a great year that we're coming up on, 2020. Isn't that kind of cool? We're calling our series at the beginning of 2020, 2020 Vision, right? I thought that was unique. I came up with myself. Mary, Mary sang this song in the Christmas, like in that whole Christmas season in Luke chapter one, she sings this song, my soul glorifies the Lord. Same thing as magnify. My soul magnifies the Lord. What does that mean? We're going to come back to it in a second, but first we want to talk about this amazing movie. It's a wonderful life because George Bailey is having a crisis of his soul. He's having a crisis of his soul. There's some really neat things about this movie. First of all, I want to say that the American Film Institute said this is the number one most inspirational movie of all time. It is great. So they have proven what I've said to you over and over throughout this series. There's a cool scene for those of you who see it. I know everybody in this room has seen it, so you're familiar with this, right? There's a really cool scene at the beginning of the movie. Uh, they're in a gym, and they're having a dance, and the floor opens up. So this film was shot in 1946. That floor still exists today. You can go there, the floor still opens, and you can still swim in that pool. It's at the Beverly Hills High School, 1946. Now, you might remember from the movie that somebody was dancing with Donna Reed, who is Mary, Mary Bailey, in the movie, right? And George comes in and cuts in on this guy. And maybe you recognize the guy that he cut in on. It's the same guy that later turned the key and opened the floor and caused George and Mary to fall into the pool. He is Alfalfa from The Little Rascals. Does everybody remember Alfalfa from The Little Rascals? If you're under the age of 10, have you seen The Little Rascals? Any hands, Little I see one hand, two hand. That's, there's not enough hands in the room. If you're sitting next to your parent, and I hope you are sitting next to your parent, turn to them and say, why haven't you shown me the little rascals? It is phenomenal children's programming at its finest, actually, little rascals. Let's go a little more modern day than little rascals. Let's speed up time. The bartender... The bartender, I know it's tough going from kids and bartenders, but anyway, the bartender, his name is Nick. His name is Nick in It's a Wonderful Life. has this deep, deep New York City accent. His real name is Sheldon Leonard. Now, do we have any fans of the Big Bang Theory in the house? Huh? Sheldon, do you recognize that? Sheldon Leonard? That's where they got the names from for the lead character. Sheldon and Leonard were named after Sheldon Leonard, the bartender of It's a Wonderful Life. So you know, everything kind of connects to this movie, right? It's just, it's just that big of a deal. In, in, in this movie, George is having a crisis of his soul. Like he's coming unglued. He wants to give up. He wants to throw in the towel. He wants to jump off a bridge into some freezing cold water. But Clarence, the angel who does not have wings yet, comes along and gives us an amazing gift. He gives him a glimpse. He gives him a glimpse of what is really most important in life. 
And his circumstances don't change. George's circumstances don't change. But his soul is changed. His soul is nourished. And that changes everything for George. Do you have a plan for your soul in 2020? What is your soul? I used to pray a prayer when I was a kid. Let's see if you recognize it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. What is our soul? Airplanes and ships? They say we have X number of souls on board. And if there's emergency on the airplane or the ship, we send out a signal called a SOS, which means save our souls. What is your soul? Mary sings in this great song that is called the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul glorifies God. Now, what exactly does that mean? To magnify something or to glorify something means to make it larger. Well, you can't make God larger. So what is she really saying? She's saying that in my eyes and in my plans and in my relationships and in my habits and in my desires, God needs to factor in in a larger way. And she said, that's what I'm going to do. I think that's a great plan for 2020 because that's how truly how our souls are actually nourished. The Bible says this about our souls. Our souls are really hungry. There's one thing that everybody's in broad agreement about as you look over the course of human history is that human beings are dissatisfied. We're always hungry. It's never enough. Like if I can just get here and then you get there and you're like, yeah, but if I could just get here, if I could just have this and then you get that and then you say, but if I could just have our souls are hungry. Same thing. The Bible says they're hungry. They're thirsty. They need something. It also says there's something in this world that's waging war against our souls. And the problem is, is our souls, the most important part of us. They're more valuable than anything else, according to Jesus. And so we need to take care of our, we need to take care of our souls. The Bible says our souls only find rest in God. There's nothing more important than our souls and our souls cannot be satisfied by anything in this life. And that's what Jesus is saying. What will it gain you if you get the entire world, if you get all the possessions and you get all the promotions and yet you forfeit your soul? You know, there's a way to get everything you think that you want in life, have it and still be dissatisfied. And the Bible says the only way that we can find rest is with God in our souls. Your soul is made up of four things in the Bible. You ready? Here they are. Number one, it's made up of your will or your spirit, so your desires. Number two, it's made up of your mind, so your thinking. Number three, it's made up of your body, your actions, and your habits. And number four, it's made up of your relationships. And Mary, in this incredible song that she sings called the Magnificat, she gives an indication. She gives a hint to each of the four parts of our soul. And we need to be very careful to take care of our souls, particularly in 2020, if we want 2020 to be a really great year. So let's unpack it. Dallas Willard says this about our souls. What is running your life at any given moment is your soul. I'm going to say that again. What is running your life? Dallas Willard was a great philosopher, just passed away not too long ago. I believe he was a professor at USC for like almost 50 years, forever. He says, what is running your life at any given moment is your soul. The soul is the life center of human beings. And Mary says in verse 47, after she says, my soul magnifies God, my soul glorifies God. The next thing she says is this, my spirit rejoices with God, my savior, my spirit, spirit. 
It's the first part of the soul, your desires, the things that you want. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my Savior. And then she looks back and hints at looking back at past salvation. So Mary, most popular name in Israel 2,000 years ago, is very similar to Miriam in the Old Testament, the, the sister of Moses who saved Moses out of the Nile River, who was so bold and daring and saves Moses out of the Nile River after Pharaoh said, throw all the little boys in the Nile River. And, and Miriam saves. And so what Mary is doing in this song is she's pointing back and saying, hey, I want to remember, let's remember everybody that God has saved us in the past and God will save us again. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what your 2020 looks like, but God is a redeemer. He can take something against all odds because that's what happened in Egypt. There's no way. Egypt's the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. There's no way the Israelites are getting out of that bondage and yet somehow God did it. So God reminds us at the beginning of the Christmas story that no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how bad it seems that God is a redeemer, that's who he is. It's built right into his nature. That means he buys you back from whatever difficult situation you're in, but there's something you have to do. We'll get to that in just a moment. Then the present day, So she looks back to the past of salvation. She looks here to the current. And what is salvation? Salvation is when we are released from whatever it is that's bringing us down. As the Bible says, our souls can be downcast. So whatever's causing you to be downcast, you can be saved from that. And this is what Mary gets at. We can be saved and saved right now. Now, here's the problem. God had rescued them from Egypt before. But because of their spirit, their will, their desires... They made some mistakes. Isn't that true of all of us? I mean, we're headed into the new year. There's going to be things that I know I should do, but I'm like, I just don't want to do them enough. And so I don't. And so it crushes my soul. Isn't there things like that that we all do? Yeah, I know I should. I just don't want to enough. So here they make mistakes. And after all that God did, they find themselves back in a terrible situation. But God loves us so much. He says, Okay, I understand, and I'm going to rescue you again. And if I need to, I'll rescue you again and again and again. But there is a way out. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Your spirit is your desires, your will. What is fascinating, and we're getting ready to look into the book of John in the new year, the gospel, the good news that John presents us. He talks so much about the spirit. And when she says, my spirit rejoices, the same word for the Holy Spirit of God is used here for our spirits. And what she's saying is God's spirit and our spirit mingle together when we respond to God and he strengthens our will and strength. Isn't that cool? Wouldn't it be awesome If you had your will strengthened to do the things that you need to do to nourish your soul, instead of like me doing the things that cause my soul to disintegrate constantly, I would love, sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong, but I would love to get it more right than wrong. And it can happen when his spirit connects with my spirit and John tells us how to do that. So there's the first thing. The second thing she says in verse 48 says, my mind, my mind our thoughts. We have to get rid of stinking thinking, right? You know what's interesting? If you look at the book of John, the book that we just started to look at and the one we're going to continue to look at so much more at is it starts with the word. Words are powerful. 
They're very powerful. If you went into a church in the first century, right after the days of Jesus Christ, you would thought you were walking into an education center because it was very much about education. It was very much about learning and thinking and transforming. And the leaders of the church were more like philosophers than anything else because they talked very deeply about the things that affect all of our lives. You have to change. You have to change stinking thinking. And what's cool in John is John tells us the word can transform our minds. There's this famous verse in the Bible that says we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Here's the second part of your soul. Here's the third part of your soul. Third part of your soul is your action. She says the humble state. In other words, if you're humble, in other words, your actions are humble. I mean, if you're truly humble, it's born out in what you do. You, you tend to be a servant. And when Luke is writing this, Mary's singing this song, he's writing it. Everybody knows that the leaders of the world back then, right, those who were the kings, those who were the rulers, lorded it over people. There was no servant leadership. And so Luke comes along and says, the humble state. This was what Mary sang, the humble state. Because if we serve other people, if our habits and actions are in alignment with Christ, it actually nourishes our soul. Now, we might think it's going to make us feel great to lord it over other people, to push other people, to control other people, to get our way. Jesus comes along as a servant leader. And the way to truly nourish your soul is that your actions and your habits have to line up with Jesus Christ. That's Jesus' most famous words, follow me. And when they do, your soul is nourished. There's a way that seems right to us, but it leads to our souls being empty. And then there's Christ's way, which leads to our souls being nourished in full. And then lastly, she ends it off. She says, from generation to generation, that's person to person, that's relationships, Relationships are so important. So the soul consists of our spirit, our wills, our desires. Secondly, our minds. And then third, our actions, our body, our attitude. And the final thing is all of our relationships. These are the four parts of the soul. And what we see in this song is all four parts have to be integrated. Now, you from the word integrate, we get the word integrity. There has to be integrity amongst all four parts. If you have three parts of your car working, but you have a fourth critical part that's not working, your car's not working. But if we've got all four parts working, our souls are nourished. Now, Mary says something fascinating just before she sings this song. You might remember it. Gabriel comes and visits her. says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a child. The Savior, everybody's been looking for the Savior to be born. The Savior is going to be born. And the last words Mary says before the angel leaves, she says, behold, I am the Lord's servant. Now, that's a very interesting little word that she says, behold. Because you know what the word actually means? The word means look at me. The word behold means look at me. Pay attention to me. Notice what I'm doing. Why does she say that? Why does she say, hey, everybody, notice what I'm doing? doesn't sound very humble thing for humble Mary to say. Look at what I'm doing. She's simply saying this, I'm responding to God. And here's the kicker, everybody. If we have a plan for our souls in 2020 to nourish our souls, to have healthy souls, because it's the most important part of us, then we have to respond to God. We can't just sit back and say, okay, God, save me. You know, I pray that you save me. There are things that we need to do. There are things we find ourselves needing to be in alignment with God right? With our desires. God 
Strengthen me in spirit so that I have the resolve. God, I want to begin to think about your word, what your word has to say about values, what your word says about living Christ-honoring relationships, about habits. And as you begin to respond to God in that way, our souls are nourished. Now, George Bailey, his soul was disintegrating. He was falling apart. He wanted. To get, he thought the only way that he could nourish his soul is to get out of that little tiny town, Bedford Falls. I, that's what he says all throughout. The, I got to get out of this little tiny town, Bedford Falls. I don't know why. It seemed like a cute little town to me. But he wanted to get out of that town of Bedford Falls. And he wanted to see the world and build big things. That's how his soul was going to be nourished. And then Clarence, the wingless angel, gives him a glimpse of what really nourishes the soul. And though his circumstances don't change, his soul is full and it stops disintegrating. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? It's a great uh, program on TV. It's in rerun now. Everybody loves Raymond. Anybody ever see the TV show? Everybody loves Raymond. Some of you? Yes, it's good. It was was famous. Did it really did. I love the TV show. Everybody loves Raymond. My wife is the one who actually told me about it because she thought that I acted like Raymond. <laughs> so the deal with Raymond is uh, it's a lot about his mother. And his mother, in Raymond's eyes, could do no wrong, right? So Raymond's mother was terrific, and I have a terrific mother, and so I don't see any problem with that, right? Uh, the real-life Raymond, Ray Romano... 29 years old, living in his parents' basement, doing stand-up comedy. I mean, life really wasn't going anywhere fast for Raymond. And he's living in his parents' basement. He's doing stand-up comedy. He doesn't know where he's going to go. And then he got this break. And they called him to New York City to try to do this show, which is really about his life. And my goodness, the next decade, he just skyrocketed. He went from his parents' basement to being the highest-paid actor in television history per episode. He was making close to $2 million per episode. I think they do like 30 episodes a year or something like that. That's how much it was staggering. The amount of fame and fortune from the parents' basement as high as you could go. On the very last episode, he's on stage, right? They're getting ready to do the last episode. He comes out, they have an audience there and he wanted to say a few words and he's just crying. He's crying. And he said, when I left to come to New York, my big brother Richard put a note in my luggage. And he pulled the note out all these years later. All these years, pulled the note out and he read it. And you know what it said? What does it gain you to get the entire world and yet forfeit your soul? Very important. Staggering success. We can have staggering success. There's a bunch of high-powered Washingtonians in this room. We can have staggering success, the best and the brightest. But we might be able to gain the whole world and yet forfeit our soul. What plan do you have for your soul in 2020? You know, the thing about Christmas is that it's so fascinating is Jesus Christ comes down. And Jesus is everything that nourishes our soul. He is so approachable to all of us. What's cool about Mary, everybody, what is really cool is there's no indication of why God chose her. We didn't, I mean, we're not told she was making straight A's in school. 
We're not told that she was the prettiest girl on the block. We're not told that she prayed all day, every day. We're not told that she read the scripture. All we know is God shows her. You know what God's trying to get across to us? That God chooses all of us if we will respond to him. He will nourish our souls. And whatever situation we find ourselves in, he comes down and meets us in Christmas right at the point of our need. Our souls are really important. In 2020, we are going to do a series on the Gospel of John, and the theme of the Gospel of John is this. We can experience life like never before by seeing Jesus like never before. The theme of John is life. Jesus says, I've come that you might maximize your life, that you might have life to the absolute fullest. We're going to see Jesus Christ in his first century Jewish context. You know, everybody, I didn't see Jesus in his first century Jewish context for most of my life. And over the past few years, I really have dug into it, and a whole new world has opened up for me. And I believe a whole new world can open up for you as well. You have something very, very valuable. It's your soul. Sometimes we can take our souls for granted. There's a story about a lady that she went to a garage sale, and she bought a uh, picture for five dollars and she brought it home and she hung it on the wall of her living room and it hung there for years she never really noticed it she never paid attention to it she wasn't enthralled with it it was just there it was just part of everything else that she did not notice every day and one day she had a friend over and the friend said that painting looks very very familiar who painted that painting she said i don't know she said you should really take that to an art collector and have it evaluated she says why it's nothing i bought it for five dollars at a garage sale she took it to an art collector it was worth 50 million dollars Sometimes we become so familiar with something like our souls that we take it for granted. Do you have a plan to nourish your soul in 2020? It's the most important part of you. You can get whatever you want. You can have all the relationships you want. You can have all the possessions you want. You can all the accomplishments you want. But Jesus Christ says, what good will it do for you if you forfeit your soul? You have to take care of your soul more than anything else. Well, it's Christmas time. And I love Christmas, and I'm imagining you're here maybe because you love Christmas too and all that it has. And I look back on my Christmases with so much excitement. I mean, there was gifts that I wanted to, you know, get. I'm sure that some of you have things in your mind dancing around about maybe a gift that you really, really want. Particularly, like, if you're under four feet tall, you might have all kinds of things dancing in your mind. And when I was 11 years old, I was obsessed with motorcycles. I mean, I was just so obsessed. We lived right down the street. And growing up, I was like five, six, seven years old. We had a little, we had two, actually two identical motorcycles, but one was red and one was yellow. And we had these little motorcycles. And I've told this story before, but I, the first time I was ever arrested is on a Sunday morning when the police caught me riding near Barcroft Elementary School. Uh, just over here in South Arlington while mom and dad were getting ready for church. We were out running up and down. We used to drive all over this county. Those are good days in this county. Just, we just all over this county. When I was 11 years old, I wanted a bigger motorcycle and my parents got me a Yamaha 100. It was blue and white and that was the most fantastic thing in the world. I was so excited. But you know what? I'll tell you something that's far better than that. As excited as I was about that. And here it is. Ready? Nothing can compare to the joy that I see in my kids' eyes on Christmas. I mean, it's not even a close second. To see my children happy, 
to see my children joyous, to see my children just overflowing, there's nothing that comes even close. And that's the way that your heavenly father feels about you. Nothing puts a bigger smile on the face of your heavenly father than to see your life overflowing with joy. And that happens only if we nourish our souls. Make sure in 2020 that you have a plan to nourish your souls, spirit, mind, body, relationships, that they fall in alignment with the teachings and the leadership and the guidance of Jesus Christ. We're going to end this evening the way we end every Christmas Eve. We're going to sing Silent Night. I'm going to ask if the music team would come out and my family would come up. Uh, I hope that you have um, a candle if you could locate that candle and, and turn that candle on, I think we might be dimming the lights just a little bit uh, for this. I, as, you, as you do that, if you'd like to stand with us, I would like to share. Do you all need a candle? Do you want a candle? I'm going to give you a candle. There you go. There you go. I have one candle to share. Let's get rid of this. I'd like to tell you briefly the story of Silent Night. It's a real short story. So Silent Night was written in 1818 in Austria. And what had happened? Christmas is a huge deal. I mean, the best music in the world was coming out of churches for so many years. The greatest music in the world. So it's a huge, huge deal. But the church flooded Big catastrophe. The church completely flooded. And when the church flooded, the organ was damaged. And a song was written in the midst of that terrible happening, Silent Night, Holy Night. And now it's become one of the most beloved songs in the history of the world, Silent Night, Holy Night. What message is there for us to remember as we get ready to sing this song? I don't know what you're going through. But here's what you need to know. God is a redeemer. He can take something that looks like a catastrophe and turn it into something unbelievable. But we have to respond to him. Think about that as we sing this song. Oh
That was wonderful. You all sounded great. Well, as you know, it's Jesus' birthday, which is a really big deal. In a smaller way, it's Grace Community Church's birthday. We're 19 years old today. And who, <clears throat> who could have imagined out of that lowly manger that we're in? So here we are today. But we're thrilled every year to stand up here with you, my family, Krista and Gracie and Jonathan, and to wish you a Merry Christmas, to tell you that we love you, and we consider it a complete honor to be a part of this community, because the best people in Washington, D.C. go to Grace Community Church. We don't, we, don't, we don't know why, but you do, and we're thrilled that you do, and we love you. We wish you a Merry Christmas and that your souls would be mightily blessed in the new year. God bless you. Merry Christmas.